The question in my mind is, how do you create or relaunch a highly profitable and successful six to seven figure business? With so much conflicting advice about the best ways to start and grow your business, how do you get it right the first time? I want to help entrepreneurs make a real difference and navigate the messy world of startup or relaunch. My name is John North, and this is the Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs show. Join me today when we dig deep with our guests and get you the best blueprint so you can fast track your own business. This episode is sponsored by Volpreneur.app, your all-in-one online business system. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. So let's get into the day's episode. Hi, my name is Raman. I'm a performance scientist and a training thought leader. I was on John North's show, Startup Secret. And it has been a wonderful experience. We talked about uh, how the executives and leaders can bring the speed into their own settings and how they can speed up their own path. We also talked about uh, some of the challenges for running your show online in terms of your business and in terms of the things you do online. So there are a lot of challenges we talked about and we talked about how John's uh, app, which is building upon the whole platform is uh, kind of going in that direction as well. So it will be very interesting for you to listen to this uh, show. I really appreciate your time here. Thank you. My very special guest today is Raman Aturi, who's a performance scientist. So it should be interesting the conversation to have. So welcome to the show, Raman. Thank you so much, John. I'm really glad to be at uh, your show. Thank you. Cool. So I understand you're in Singapore, right? That's right. That's right. Now, cool. well, so we're beaming from Sydney to Singapore. So at least we're in similar time zones. We don't have to be. It's only a few hours behind. <laughs> All right. So. Um, I had a bit of a look at your your website and your um and your YouTube channel and stuff. So the concept of performance scientist is is around doing things quickly. Is that the is that the concept? Uh, the concept uh, is more about uh, how do we get the performance to be first time right. Mm-hmm. It's not about doing the things quickly because that's the mad rush. And yes, <laughs> most of the organizations are following it because uh, that's the only way they define speed. That okay, well, let's have our employees do things quickly, but that's not a real long-term speed. So the real long-term speed comes when you can produce very fluid, first-time right performance that you don't have to rework. So yeah. you save a lot of time there, and mm-hmm. at the same time, you make your customer happy. And yeah. so that's the kind of speed we are talking about. How to go there faster? Right. Okay. Well, we'll be dig into that soon. Um, so. Part of the show is to talk about online and, and the difficulties of getting getting online in the first place. So I, I had a bit of a quick look at your website. And you've got quite, quite a lot of stuff going on there. So what was your journey to that? Like, where did you kind of start into this gig of going online? Were you Did you have an offline um, sort of job or something like that originally? And you decided to, to sort of venture into the world of, of online coaching and stuff? Yeah. In fact, you know, I'm a training thought leader. So I work with a Fortune 500 company. I manage a whole of the fame training center. So the training and learning piece is built into me. That was something, you know, I was very passionate about right from my childhood. And being in learning field, one of the, you know, the benefit you have is that you start loving this so much that you would want to be present everywhere. 
Yep. So <laughs> I think that part of that one was because I was also uh, into designing online programs and coaching programs and then tell, you know, how I can elaborate that one for my own expertise. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually went for two doctorates and there was a massive amount of research that came about. And uh, some of that research is so huge that it can't be contained in any books or anything. So mm-hmm. my logical choice was going online platform. Mm-hmm. And incidentally, this last pandemic uh, seems like everything is kind of synchronized now. That yeah. a lot of things are happening online. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was kind of like for, um, for, for, for people doing speaking gigs and, and sort of live events and stuff like that, because one of my clients is in, in the business networking game in Singapore. And obviously yeah. his business was decimated overnight. And mm-hmm. so that whole movement to online happened really quickly. And, yep. and I think a lot of speakers were holding out for it. I noticed when I was sort of looking at some of the posts of my other clients that are speakers, they're going, oh, well, just postponed everything for six months, right? They're just hoping everything will go away and they wouldn't have to change. And then yep. about eight months down the track, you see them suddenly come online with online programs and, and trying to do Zoom online and stuff like that because they realised that, that they had to change. And I, and I think we'll never go back to that, I don't reckon. I don't think we'll ever go back to that that kind of concept that, everything has to be in person because it, it actually made everybody more efficient. And look at the amount of pollution we save on plane trips, I think, <laughs> nothing else. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, I don't know people are going to go back to the what it used to be, but there are certain areas where personal connection, presence of the people in the same room is definitely required. Because yeah. I think one of the biggest things what we're missing is that in-person social interaction. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And the screen cannot compensate you can't for that. can't replace that, no. Right. That's the so, hard part. Of, yeah. I think if, if you ever got to VR, VR and sort of like being able to be like, you know, 3D virtual reality and stuff like that, maybe that's mm. closer to the thing. And I would have thought that might have come forward faster. Um, in terms of that, but it didn't seem to do it. So, yeah, I know humans are designed to um, be clumped together. Like they're not designed to be on their own because, you know, and I guess in the, you yeah. know, when you're back in the dinosaur days or whatever, or the, or the old ages, if you had one on your own, you would have eaten quick. Right? And something yeah. at the end of the day is like, they're not designed that way. So in terms of doing stuff fast, what's your, um, so did you um, have some methodologies around, what tips people can do to speed things up in terms of obviously in, particularly with yeah. people having to transition quickly right now yeah yeah no certainly there are two parts to this one one is individual that yeah. as an individual or a professional how can i do things faster how can i achieve the kind of performance which is consistent which is reliable which mm-hmm. give me that edge of speed that's one part Second part is that if you have a team, if you are running a business, how you are going to help your supervisor, your team member, your employees to be at that point faster. So there are two different aspects and different set of strategies work for this. So let me kind of start with, you know, as a business owner, how you can help your team and then I'll come to your journey uh, in a while. So a part of this one is, uh, you know, when we say doing things fast, as I said, that's possibly not the right concept because that concept has already been taken away. Uh, Look at this industry 4.0. Most of the things are being done by artificial intelligence and other automation. They can, those technologies can do things much faster than human. So I think we still continue to need to use human skills where machines cannot replace it. Mm. So if machines can do something more efficiently, there is no point learning how to do things quickly. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, some sometime I give this example of, uh, for example, Walmart uh, checkout counter. Sometimes you go to those uh, count checkout counter and you you will realize that those clerks talk to you, and uh, they are talking to you. They are asking how was your day, and uh, you won't even realize when did they scan the barcode, when did they print the receipt. In mm. most cases, they won't even look at the barcode, mm. but they don't have make any error. And the time to transaction which they spend with you is very little. I mean, it's a much faster transaction. And the way you see feel is these guys are proficient. They don't make any mistake. They are delivering first time right performance. So they don't appear in the mad rush, but they are fast. They are generating results. So that's the kind of speed is very important from that angle to bring our employees, team members, managers, leaders to that level. And part of my research that uh, biggest strategy was to tell everyone that they are not alone mm -hmm. because people don't work alone. Mm -hmm. uh, there is an ecosystem that surrounds everyone. So in that ecosystem, we have managers, we have technologies, we have performance support system, we have peers, and we have star performers who have already demonstrated good performance in the past. We have coaches and mentors. And uh, if we leverage all these pieces together and synchronize in a way to speed up people's journey, they are, will reach that point faster. So most of the time we leave our employees or team member of their own, oh, you, you figure it out, sort of. It, but yeah. what if managers support them, give them the right kind of technology? Because if as a manager or the leader, you give your team the right technology, maybe they don't even need to learn that task. They can focus their attention somewhere else and they will be faster because technology can take care of a lot of tasks. So that's the major high level kind of concept about strategy, how we can speed up the outcomes in, in business. So that was one part of that one. Makes sense. I, right. So one individually. Of I, one of the things that I've sort of done in my business probably over time is we, all our staff log time because they're, they're essentially contractors. And so they're paid on by the hour. And when I look at their tasks and say what they've logged, I look back and say, could you have done that faster and find out that they hadn't done the, the, the quick things they could have done, like saved a saved a, um, a transaction next time so they have to do it again and stuff like that? Because a lot of people don't think that way. They think about doing the task, but they don't think about how can I make this faster next time? How could I skip a step or something because I don't need to because it's already pre-made or pre-templated? So I think that asking that question all the time about, you know, how can I improve this? How could this be done more efficiently or as you say, like you're talking through a checkout, you know, it's it, you know, there's, that's that conversation flow is to take the track. It's almost like a magician's trick, right? It's designed yeah. to take you off the not looking at anything while they're doing their magician trick for you and pushing everything through. That's <laughs> right. And yeah. mm. in fact, in fact, uh, you know, most part uh, managers or leaders they're more focused on the speed of the task. So mm. if you can deliver the speed of the task, they get the impression that uh, things are happening fast. Yeah. But in but it reality, mess, right? it could be done really badly. And yeah, it may be done badly. Right. Yeah. So so what, what we're saying is that in order to reach that first time performance, you have to definitely have a lot of iteration, a lot of feedback, a lot of collaboration, a lot of automation also in some cases. So the collective effect of that one is at some day you're going to reach that level. And uh, do we measure that? More, mm -hmm. In most cases, we don't measure that. If we start measuring and start shortening it, it speed up the overall uh, uh, time in organization it saved a lot of dollars mm. and i guess it's asking the right questions right at the end yeah. of the day it's it's, it's comes down to saying well 
you know, can we can we make this more efficient or, or faster? But the reality is if we do, what's going to happen? Because most cases, as you say, when you do something fast, it doesn't always mean it's going to be done well. And yeah, that trade-off at the end of the day. And I think that also can must come down to communication, right? Because if you're communicating, if, if something's going to happen slowly, then you're going to communicate that. I mean, there's a there's a good example in, in New South Wales at the moment, Australia, they've decided to do these business grants. And so what the, the government decides to do is puts up a website and says, here, apply for this business grant, but no communication at all through the entire process. So you don't know where you're at. So then they say, oh, just call us, but you can't get through. And it's like you can see that, that is, they've done it fast, but they haven't done it well because what's happening is no communication. So there's no way to get some sort of updates or anything like that until such time as someone emails you or contacts you because ringing them, you can spend three hours on the phone. So... To me, that's a great example of, of trying to do something fast, but it's failed really because all it's done is freaked everybody out. They can't get hold of them, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about the, the the next step that you you spoke about earlier in terms of okay, you've sort of looked at the, the manager themselves and to look at the yeah. organization. Yeah. So when it comes to individually, um, there are a lot of challenges because. Uh, people have not been educated about how do you uh, reach that level of performance faster. Mm-hmm. I mean, historically, even in the management and leadership domain, more often people have been trained about efficiency, which is you know how you can get this task done faster, how you can deliver me project faster. But nobody actually educated. Is there a science behind how people really, really attain performance and how we can shorten that cycle? So most of the managers have, you know, when they progress, they have not been coached, uh, even leaders. So fundamentally, what we realize is that uh, many times you can leverage a lot of things. For example, very tiny example I give is delegation. Mm-hmm. No, delegation has never been presented in, in terms of speed. The delegation has been presented that you can give uh, delegate certain tasks to your team member or other people while you can focus on the other primary tasks. But if we look at behind the scene, if you strategically delegate the task to your team member, not only the team member is going to grow, it is actually going to shorten your time to reach the level of proficiency you need. Um, part of that one, what we say is, most of the managers, they keep focusing on input skill. Input skills are like, uh, for example, operating a Zoom software. That's mm-hmm. an input skill. That's going to get obsolete in three months or six months. Yep. So every three months, six months, they need to learn new skill. Mm-hmm. But they, then we say, instead of focusing on that one, maybe you want to delegate those kind of skills to somebody. Maybe you want to use technology for that one. Maybe you want to outsource that particular task. But as a manager, your job is to make the difference in a project. Your job is to manage people. Your job is to produce something. So that's what we call outcome skills. So outcome skills are if you focus on outcome skills, all the input skills, you can disposition. The moment you disposition, you know, as a manager or leader, amount of things you're going to learn and master are shorter, smaller. You focus on smaller quantum, you master that, and you become a great leader. Mm-hmm. But you become a great leader in a much shorter time. So that's the one thinking process we have been kind of telling leaders and managers, you don't have to master everything upfront. You mm-hmm. don't need everything. For mm-hmm. instance, uh, if you have been uh, doing a report, which is only going to be needed once in three years, there is no point for you to spend time now in classroom or even getting the coaching on this one and getting mastered it. Mm-hmm. You better disposition somebody else because it's so low frequency. 
focus mm-hmm. on something which makes difference everyday basis and be strategic about that yeah yeah it makes sense because sometimes you know you're trying to do stuff that you'd never done before and then you think oh i've spent so many hours trying to learn this and i'm never going to use it again <laughs> it's like yeah and i guess you see that in the larger organizations who probably don't have the ability to kind of outsource that stuff too sometimes they're kind of like stuck within their own world aren't they yep yep that's mm-hmm. right so in terms of your online journey, what, what, where have you sort of run into roadblocks there? So, um, so what, what did you initially, how long have you had your website up, for example? I have been uh, having this one for about three years now. Mm-hmm. Um, this one came while I was doing research. I got a lot of content. So I wanted to see that how I'm going to leverage it. Mm-hmm. And a part of that one is I also produce a lot of content. Like I got a lot of books. Uh, and there's a lot yeah, of content. 20 books there or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. You beat me, so, I've got seven. So it's making me feel like I've got a bit of catching up to do here. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's, you know, once you get involved in research, you get so many insights you're going to need to put somewhere. And yes. the book is the right place to put. But at the same time, I do a lot of professional speaking, a lot of uh, keynotes, and uh, I got a lot of videos. So there was a lot of things going on. I got report, research reports, books. I got videos, and then I got some training and coaching programs. So then the question came is, how do I going to combine all these together and yeah, present yes. at one place? Mm-hmm. And uh, being a learning guy, my one goal was also this, that how I can make learning available to people. So I didn't just want to create a sort of website uh, which just tells about me that this is what I am doing. I wanted to make it as a learning portal. And the reason for that one is that in my personal journey, I felt people are not being taught how to learn better and how to learn faster. So they they can still go and, you know, buy certain books and all that. And half of those are not based on science or not based on observations. So and uh, remaining half are academic in nature that you possibly as a practitioner, it's going to be very hard to understand. So I said, you know what, I'm going to create a portal, a sort of Wikipedia, you can say, uh, in, in the due course of time where people can come and find the proven techniques. And I thought, you know, oh, that will be my platform to bring in the experts uh, so that uh, we disseminate the information and knowledge and wisdom to people so they can learn faster and better. So that was my whole, uh, you know, uh, overall thinking process, how I went online. And it took me many years to kind of perfect that when I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm still building the skeleton, building the right kind of content. But most of my content is behind the firewall. It's not opened up. But I think at some point in time, I'm going to open up the membership uh, site where the, everything that I'm doing in form of proper sequenced courses and content is going to be there. Yeah, no, that's the major challenge with most people when they've got a lot of content is that how do they manage that content? without freaking people out on the front end of the, on their website, because obviously it ends, it ends up being too much. So yeah, it's interesting that you, yeah, cause that's a, a challenge for people also from the technology point of view. So what sort of technology did you employ to do that um, in the first place? Yeah. So uh, most of the thing was because my content was evolving, it wasn't really finalized. So that means I was in, never in a stage where I could uh, write down the specification for somebody to do it for me. Mm. So then I said, you know, how can I do it progressively evolving it the way I want? And uh, I'm a little bit of a sort of perfectionist, you can say. I wanted things in a certain way uh, yeah. with, the, uh, with certain kind of accessibility and all that. And so showcasing was also part of. So I resorted to WordPress technology. I said, you know, I'm going to build it myself, but mm-hmm. then it, it could be a, quite a task. So yeah. I use <laughs> WordPress and then Elementor. 
So yeah. I combine these. Elementor is a powerful tool. It allows you to build any kind of a, a repository website or any other platform you want to create. So mm -hmm. I combine these two uh, alongside some another other kind of plugins and all that. I build the uh, entire database behind the website. So that's how I kind of uh, set it up. Right, cool. Yeah, because I mean, part of the, I guess, our journey in terms of what we do is we developed a platform to be able to combine all those technologies in one place and to avoid the WordPress challenge because a lot of times with WordPress, you've got a lot of plugins, you've got a lot of technology and a lot of confusion for a lot of non-technical people that sort of <laughs> drive them insane. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So when we yeah, developed, yeah, so we sort of looked at that scenario and what you're talking about is quite yeah. interesting because we actually thought, well, what can we do to make the life easier for a, an author consultant or, or anybody that's sort of like doing online teaching or resource-based stuff and we develop a platform called Evolpreneur app for that kind of thing. And yeah, um, yeah. and basically we kind of looked at WordPress and said, okay, we need blogs, we need podcasts, we need course content and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's interesting um, to figure out the actual um, best practices for all those place people. You well, know, what I, I relate with I relate with what you're doing daily. I mean, I, I happen to look at your work and uh, that's very interesting. I think the concept you are floating is fantastic. Uh, that was exactly my challenge as well. Yeah. As I said, I had videos. So now where do I put the videos? I had to put the videos on YouTube and then do a backlinking. Yep. And then I had books, my books reside somewhere else. And then yep. I had to do the backlinking. Then I got some uh, PDF research report, which is uh, stay in a research repository on a different website uh, yeah. for researcher. Then I, my challenge was, how do I combine all these? But it, it, because if I leverage WordPress, it become, it, it's gonna become very heavy. Very and um, it wouldn't have that much bandwidth unless I scale up everything. Mm. So I think the solution, what you are working on is fantastic where um, the training courses, the video, the podcast and other business solutions are at one place, yep. accessible through one portal, you can say. And I think uh, I would love to have that one. I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic thing. This is exactly what mm. most people have the challenge if their business is wisdom-based business. Yes. So wisdom-based business typically create lots of content. And these days, there is a lot of trend about repurposing the content. That yeah. means um, if you write an article, you're going to create a video. You're going to create a podcast. You're going to create possibly a panel. You're going to create uh, an article. A lot of other things that comes out. And then what happens if content grows out in yeah. multiple forms? So yeah. if you don't put it in one place, it's a big, big business challenge. <laughs> And I mean, when we first developed for, for a client, we actually found they had we ended up with like ten different solutions to run their business, and and one thing breaks and the entire thing falls apart. Then because now you're trying to sink her off to something else, and then you end up in a mess because you forgot the didn't land in the right database. So, yeah, I think that's the to me that's the challenge that, that hasn't been solved in in the current marketplace because they're not looking at um, how um, the work. The, as a business system, not not just as a solution. So we're not selling a pretty shiny thing um, here that does a few features and then you've got to go somewhere else for something else. Look at the business flow process in terms of what you're talking about too is quite interesting because we, we always look at automation as the key to that thing too because if we can automate something quickly um, and they don't have to keep doing it every time, which is a really slow, normal, you know, technically a technical task where you might have to do two or three things, if we can automate that thing so they just press one button and it gets done, then that's going to save that business owner a heap of time and money because they don't have to pay someone, say, a VA to do it either. Um, so trying to systemize that process completely so that they can, you know, have those blueprints, we call them now, that you can actually do like a podcast blueprint or a membership blueprint or a course blueprint to be able to kind of put those things together and build that business without having to 
become a tech head. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, what's what's in the future for you for next year? What what's your plans to for the for the coming twenty twenty two range in terms of what you're probably doing? Yeah. So uh, I think I'm gonna kind of extend what I'm right now doing it. Uh, as I said, I might have the skeleton of my you know overall things what I'm doing, mm -hmm. but it's very important for a wisdom based initiative to be able to deliver that wisdom. Yes. And I have kind of, been kind of strong. Strong yourself, right? That's right. Um, <laughs> and that's where, you know, you're going to need to leverage the experts out there. But then problem what happens is uh, that there are a lot of different experts. Uh, some are really good in video. Some are really very good up uh, set up in your database. Some are very good in setting up the membership. But then you can also depend upon these, uh, uh, you know, software as solutions website where you can purchase all of these things separately. But the challenge then is how to integrate it. That's a nightmare. Yes. So, <laughs> so my concept was something like that, you know, how can I create a sort of Wikipedia, but not text-based, it's more interactive uh, Wikipedia. It's more where you want to learn. To, if you are a textual person, you possibly want to read something. If you uh, are a person who like video for the same content, how yeah. you can get the video. Or if you want to just listen, how you the system allow you to learn just by listening, same content. Mm -hmm. But then if you are a person who likes more visual things, how it can be a little bit more interactive, uh, a sort of a cartoon kind of, you know, interactions, dialogues and those things. Or if you are a person who likes more social interaction, can you join a panel? Can you, just like a clubhouse, can you talk to somebody one-on-one uh, mm -hmm. -on -one or one-to-many? So now this, this is a multidimensional experience I'm talking about, learning the same thing. Um, so how do I create that one and under one platform? That's a big challenge. And that's the thing I want to move forward with, that how I create an integrated multidimensional experience for uh, uh, users. And my idea is that uh, uh, once I create this membership uh, program, behind the scene, this is what the, the experience they should be getting. Mm, mm. it's actually interesting because it's kind of our goal ultimately is to create that learning experience that's that's more community based as well so that um, yeah because people you know don't want to be on their own they want to see other people struggling whatever they can help in a normal classroom environment when you know face to face yeah. you can see that part of um, that one is also this uh, thing that because i'm a learning scientist so mm. a part of that i know that in what sequences that needs to be presented mm. in what sequence people should learn should people learn this one overview first get into detail or should be other way around so all this learning science technique uh, will be built into that sequence mm. and the whole goal will be if you take uh, to uh, let's say that a month to master a particular skill can i make it 15 days for you by yeah. using the science behind it. Exactly. But then mm -hmm. science wouldn't work until there's a platform interaction, it present in certain way. For example, there is something called adaptive learning, mm -hmm. I mean, which checks for you that if you already mastered this um, because of your prior, prior experience, you don't need to learn this, then you can skip it. So that shortened the path to learn. So that's well, the whole really uh, know, idea like, behind you know, it. You almost yeah. like you, a lot of people know stuff. So it's not like they don't know everything. So it's almost like, oh, well, you don't need to know that bit. You already know that. You've proved yeah, yeah. it. So let's move on. I think the other danger is that a lot of on a, on people who create courses and stuff, they tend to create the course in the way that they consume it. So I've seen a lot of times where they might do, like you're talking about that adaptive learning, where someone might think, well, I like to watch videos. That's how I learn. But yeah. other people don't like to do that. For me, I can do it for a period of time, but 
if I want to shortcut this thing, I just want the transcript. I can whip through the transcript, get the, the concept, decide whether you even want to watch that, watch that video. But a lot of the people who do courses will put up a video, but no transcript. So they're yeah. expecting that you're a visual kind of person that's going to listen, listen to it and learn it, you know, visually when you actually want to actually consume it in a written form. And I think that's the, the thing that I see a lot in online courses where people forget that little thing that's yeah. actually more than one person out there, the type of person. Exactly. That that, that's the big problem because the online courses, the way these guys are building these days, they are basically taking normal courses and putting into online format. That's yeah. not online learning. And mm -hmm. part of that one is brain doesn't work that way. We don't absorb the information that way or we don't learn something that way. Um, so uh, one example is that let's say that you're learning something and you come across something and you say, oh, how I wish there was somebody who can explain me something. If platform allow you search for expert on this, this topic and yeah. oh, by the way, here is an expert available for next 10 minutes right away. And so yeah. connect with the person at the back end, the person talk to you, tell me, oh, I'll clarify you the concept. Just imagine that the, the, the speed of learning that's gonna happen, no online course can really catch up with that kind of speed. Exactly. So yeah. that's the, that's the, that, that kind of a thinking process hasn't really gone down to people. People are putting up their lot of text questions, courses, and a lot of the Zoom recording, but that's not online. Learning. No, I know, and I think that's the challenge. Like my son decided to do a course and uh, online course because in in Australia at the moment they had a lot of shutdowns and stuff like that and lockdowns. They couldn't do it. And when I looked at what they did, they essentially just try to whack things up um, in some sort of portal that sort of gives them some basic information. They're going to read a lot of things, but again, it was like they were charging theoretically thousands of dollars for this thing. And you look at it and think was you could have knocked this up on a weekend you know like they haven't they've just kind of like okay we'll just move it over here and we'll stick it in there and we'll we'll hope for the best you know and if these people learn good luck to them right and it's, it's like yeah you see that a lot where people aren't thinking through that that interactive process and it's actually interesting we actually um one of the specs we've got is ask the expert button and our community back end to be able to hit that button and actually have an expert answer your question so yeah, I think um, we're probably like-minded here in terms of what, what you're trying to achieve. And I think it's really cool. So maybe we should collaborate. So I, I really appreciate your time. Is there one piece of advice that you that you gave a client or someone recently, you know, sometime that's really good advice to close yeah, up? Yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, this is my own mantra as well. So I would like to share with the, the rest of the people mm -hmm. uh, that the whether we are in a business or we are in a, a sort of, uh, you know, profession, it works well. So the way I look at it is your entrepreneurship journey mm -hmm. is basically uh, can be can be summarized with two things. Why and what for? Yep. Why is basically your emotional drives, how you feel, why you want to do certain things, you're passionate about certain things. But there is a drive that the emotional drive that comes from inside you. But then there is other thing, what we call what for. Everything you do has to have an outcome. You want to achieve something. Mm. Why was your drive, obviously the emotion side, what for is where we want to take it to. So I always say that your entrepreneurship journey is basically the distance between why and what for. Yeah, and makes uh, sense. <laughs> right. So it's very important for people to really be able to understand that how they are going to connect these two th things together why and what for and at the same time most of the time people struggle or they fail because they can't connect these two things together because their emotional drive 
might be dictating something else, which we call passion, people do pursue, but then they miss the important part. What for? Why? Uh, what for I'm going to do? What exactly I'm going to produce out of that one? So my recommendation always have been that, you know, try to create a bridge between these two. Once you have very good clarity about why and very good clarity about what for, then you nobody can stop you. That's the fundamental thing that's going to give you the speed. And as a speed scientist, that's the thing I can say. This is the way I proceed forward. As you see, I got 20 books. I got uh, over 100 international credentials. I got two doctorates. So all that was possible once I was able to align and connect why and what for. So that will be my advice for the audience. True. Get that get that closer together. That's interesting. I mean, I know that when we used to do tech support back in the day with software, accounting software, one of the questions used to ask customers when they'd send in this request, is, oh, I can't do this or whatever. So why are you doing that? And, and as soon as you ask the question, why are you doing that? Then you actually found out the real problem a lot of times, because what happens is when you're trying to, you're trying to do the what, as you say, you're trying to what do, what are you doing, but why are you doing it? And they go, oh, because of this and this, and so you don't actually need to do that. That's that's already been done by the system. Or do you know what I mean? So sometimes you miss that whole thing and try and solve a problem simply because you didn't ask why at the front. And so yeah, it's a very yeah, so narrow the gap between why and what sounds pretty cool to me. <laughs> well, so how does someone get in touch with you or, or get you know like connect with you? You've got a website, right? And yeah. My website is available at my name, ramankatri.com. It yeah. gets redirected to speedtoproficiency.com, but it's very easy for people to remember, ramankatri.com. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's the main thing where people can come in. And if they want to come connect with me on social media, they can just search for my handle, drramankatri, Dr. Ramankatri. I'm available on LinkedIn, Twitter, or uh, Facebook with the same handle. So they can connect me on any of those platforms. Brilliant. And we'll put the links up on the, on our show notes as well. So you've got them there. So I really appreciate your time coming on and it's um, very interesting. And I think um, the main takeaway here is, you know, focus on the why and the what and you, you'll actually get somewhere. So that's really excellent. So thanks for your time. Thank you very much, John. It was my pleasure being on your show. Thank you. That's a wrap on another awesome episode for the Startup Secret Show for Nepreneurs. Just before you go, if you like this episode, we'd be very grateful for a five-star review. Please also consider recommending the show to a friend or two. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. Until next time, if you're an entrepreneur, make a start on your next great business idea today.